Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Angel, Season 1, Episode 8, I Will Remember You. Praise Moloch. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. This has been a long time coming. Ask and you shall receive, listeners. Kara, I would say we got, what, like dozens of questions whether or not we were going to cover Angel, I Will Remember You, <laughs> following pain. It is probably our most frequent cue in our FAQs that people send us. Yes. So. Everyone's been anticipating this. And surprise, we're delivering because we wanted to keep it a I surprise. I hope this is a surprise for people. I hope we're, we're trying to keep it under wraps to make it exciting when this shows up in your feed. So I hope you were surprised. And, you know, we're, we're, we are not committing to covering any other Angel episodes at the moment. You never know. <laughs> we might surprise you, especially if you're you know, very well-behaved listeners. Yes, it all depends on you and how nice you are and how you <laughs> review us. <laughs> but no, it's true. So the, we wanted to do this one. What we want to do is we want to follow Buffy on her journey, right? We didn't follow Oz when he went to Angel at the beginning of the season, but we're here now because Buffy is here now. So we have to follow our girl. We are committed to her. We go where she goes. <laughs> so that's why we're doing this today. So I want to start off by saying right off the bat that this is all Xander's fault. Yes, thank you. I was going to bring that up if you didn't, and I knew you would. Oh, I would. It's the first thing I want to say about this episode, because this episode is traumatic. And I blame Xander, because he's the one that let slip at the end of Pangs that Angel was in town. Right? This entire episode would not have happened if Xander had kept his mouth shut for a few more minutes. Uh, but, I, okay, so this this episode of Angel, I've seen all of Angel, as has have you, right? You've seen it all. Of course. This is has always been my favorite episode of Angel out of all of them. It peaked in episode eight. <laughs> I was all downhill from there. Yeah, you. then I would stop watching right after this episode. No, no, no. Uh, but I think this would even make my top... Five, uh, 10 episodes if you mash Buffy and Angel both series together this would always probably be in my top because it's just so good it's the culmination of my Bangel heart the purity of their relationship is on display and I think this episode really defines the two of them as they are characters and heroes within the universe but also within their own shows so like, come on the drama in this episode is just like mwah chef's kiss it's it's beautiful drama we haven't seen the in my opinion we haven't seen this kind of drama or this kind of heartfelt drama since becoming part two which is obviously my favorite episode as well it gets me this one it really does and i think also we talked about this in pangs which was the last episode in buffy um why is angel here right like he wasn't written well in the crossover going over to buffy him and buffy didn't interact at all uh, so what was the point? Well, the point was to get us 
here, right? The point was mm. to get Buffy to uh, pissed off enough to get to LA. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good episode. <laughs> You're like it'll 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 do. This is gonna be a really <laughs> long two hours for you, Cara. Buckle up. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm happy to be here, Steph. I'm happy. I've got some thoughts to share. Don't worry. I also have prepared for the benefit of our listeners who haven't watched Angel. Um, I, I wanted to summarize the show um, up until this point. You know, you're only eight episodes in, so you haven't missed much. But here is the premise of the TV show Angel. Angel is a vampire, <gasps> but that doesn't pay the bills. So some of his friends in L.A. persuaded him to start a private investigator service. Although I'm pretty sure he doesn't have a license. With the help of Doyle, a fellow Irishman and half-demon who gets visions from the powers that be, and Cordelia, yes, yes. our Cordelia, mm-hmm. who is only doing this job until she gets her big acting break, Angel fights against the powers of darkness while pretending he is definitely, truly over Buffy. Which he definitely is not. <laughs> Yeah, that's what this that's basically what this episode shows us, right? Is eight episodes into his own series, he's still hung up on Buffy. Well, who wouldn't be? Uh thank you for that summary, Kara. Wonderful as always. Let us begin. Let's begin. Because I have a lot to say. We open up on Angel who is fixing a clock and leveling out his desk. He's in his office. And first things first, Angel has an office. He's got a nine to five he's got staff like this is such a he pays rent he pays rent i know it's so interesting and you know obviously this is our first time venturing over to angel a series but like we do have to take in how different the atmosphere is the aesthetic like everything is just a different vibe from the last time we saw him so the time on the clock is seven minutes to 9 a.m so it's 8 53 yes <laughs> Yes. Uh, Good job. Thank you. Thank you. So Doyle and Cordelia are watching Angel through his office window. And Doyle is saying that he got back late last night. So he and he seems fine. And Cordelia. Oh, bless Cordelia, who looks amazing. She looks amazing. Uh, Cordelia says he saw Buffy. He was in Sunnydale for three days tracking her and that thingamajiggy you saw in your vision. Where's the crabby scowl, the morbid gloom? This just means it cut deeper than usual. Batten down the hatches, here comes Hurricane Buffy. <laughs> and Doyle's like, well, maybe he's over her. And Cordelia says, you have so much to learn, little Irish man. And then they continue to watch Angel and he pulls out a stake. And Cordelia's like, oh my God. And they run into his office and they're like, don't do it. And Doyle's like, listen, man, it's not worth it. And it's because they think he's going <laughs> to kill himself with it. <laughs> And Angel's like, it's not. And Cordelia says, no, you can't let her get to you like this. You'll meet someone else. Just give it some time. So Angel says he's using the stake to level his desk because the floor is uneven. And then he, he he fixes his desk and then he laughs and he's like, you two thought. And Cordelia says, well, Doyle did. You know how he always jumps to conclusions uh, because you saw Buffy. Typical Cordelia. <laughs> Cordelia and, and then Angel says, I was there to protect her, stayed out of sight. She didn't even know I was there. And Cordelia, Cordelia's like, Really? So you avoided her? And Angel's like, look, Buffy will always be part of me, and that's never going to change. But she's human, and I'm not, and that's not ever going to change either. So we said our goodbyes. No need to stir any of this up again. And this actually ties into my hypothesis when we were watching Pangs. Because remember, you and I were like, Angel, like you should tell Buffy that you're there. But I reasoned out that he probably doesn't want to because he doesn't want to go through the whole 
we broke up awkwardness oh yeah again. No, it makes sense i just i'm gonna be on cordelia's side here in a moment yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but i just I, this is where i'm like getting angel's headspace on this and he's like pretty firm in that he's like nope nope i didn't want to see her she didn't want to see me that's it uh and cordelia says you don't want to stir but if my ex came to town and was all stalking me in the shadows and then left and he didn't even say hello I'd be, and then we hear a little upset, and it's Buffy. Buffy oh. is at the door, and she says, wouldn't you? Ooh, we cut to Angel's I, credits. I, I, I love how Cordelia, you know, sets up this line for Buffy. It's interesting. I, I missed Cordelia a lot, and we don't see a ton of her in this episode because this is a very Buffy and Angel-heavy episode. But even now, like... You can see how much she's matured and how in the past she was very much the foil and often the antagonist to Buffy. And now she's like Buffy's ally. <laughs> and it's like, I really like it. I just, I, what little we get of Cordelia in this episode, I love. Yeah. And she's here to drop facts, right? As she always does. She's just like, here's the truth. Okay. <laughs> like, I'd be pissed. When we come back from credits, which are do 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 do, <laughs> they're quite sad. I don't like the theme song. I like it. Um, Cordelia says, "Buffy, Buffy's here in town. What brings you?" And Buffy's staring at Angel, and she says, "I came to see my father. Thought I'd stop by." Lies, lies, Buffy. You came here to tell Angel off. Don't lie. Yeah, it's about so it. convenient. You came to see your father the day after Angel was in Sunnydale. Your father, who you haven't seen in two years, who basically abandoned <sighs> you. <laughs> it would have been more believable had Buffy said she was visiting Pike and Hillary Swank from the movie. <laughs> huh. I wish. I wish too. So also, she's looking very grown up in her outfit with her hairstyle and stuff right now right yeah. like she, she doesn't look like young buffy she looks like older buffy not in a bad way i made this the same observation and i put it in my notes at the end of the next scene because yeah buffy's whole aesthetic is more mature it's more chic like i would say that in sunnydale when we usually see buffy she is very trendy Right. I'm very of her mm -hmm. age. And here mm -hmm. she's looking really put together and mature. And that's what I mean. I think she's I think whoever's doing costuming for Angel, um, they're, they're tying Buffy into Angel's world, which is more mature, which is darker and more yeah, grown point. up. Right. So I think it's cool that Buffy matches the aesthetic when she goes over to his show. Mm -hmm. So. Buffy asks Cordelia how she is and she's like, I'm good. You and Buffy's like, I've been better because she's pissed so angel's looking really uncomfortable so cordelia's like okay uh-huh so well this is doyle and he gets visions of people in trouble and this is us leaving you two alone bye <laughs> like and they go and buffy shuts the door behind them and angel's like uh, really awkward he's like it's good to can i get you anything and buffy says how about an explanation who do you think you are coming to my town following me around behind my back and again buffy's using this same language like my town remember she said the same thing in the initiative she said when well, doesn't spike know this is my town right it is her town <laughs> yeah it is, it is and i like her ownership of it and angel says i'm sorry like he, he apologizes he's like i'm sorry and Buffy says, what is this? Some new torment you cooked up just for me? And Angel's like, I didn't, I didn't want to torment. And Buffy says, you can see me, but I can't see you. 
what are you playing here? And Angel says, I'm not playing anything. I wrestled with this decision. And Buffy says, which you made without me. And I think we all need to think about that for a second because that's going to come up again later, I'm sure. Um, Angel said, I tried to do what I thought was right. It's complicated how this all happened, Buffy. It's kind of a long story. And Buffy's just like, your new sidekick had a vision. I was in it. You came to Sunnydale. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> maybe not, maybe not that long. So Buffy says, you didn't feel I was important enough to even tell me you were there. And Angel says, I'm trying to explain. It's because I felt you were too, you were important that I didn't tell you. And Buffy says, I'm a big girl now, Angel. I'm not in high school anymore. A lot has happened in my life since you left. And Angel says, I respect that. And he does. I honestly believe he does. And Buffy says, I don't need you skulking around trying to protect me unless, of course, I'm in a gigantic fight to the death, which I was last night. That was you helping me, wasn't it? And Angel said, I was in the neighborhood skulking. <laughs> so I like this conversation and it continues on, obviously, but like who doesn't love a good post breakup talk? But this is exactly why Angel wanted to avoid her, right? Because he doesn't want to go through it. I do think this is such a good callback to when they broke up in the prom. And a lot of the conversation in this episode calls back to that time period because yeah. it did kind of go out with a, with a, without a bang, you know, their, their, their relationship didn't end with a bang. <laughs> there weren't very many bangs in their relationship, <laughs> that, <laughs> but it fizzled out, right? Like they, like Angel sparked the conversation. Like we should they break just, up. They keep going in circles, right? Like yeah. it's always the same thing over and over. And it's like, just be done. It's just hard because they love each other so much so we can't so so yeah so i just like that you know buffy saying like i wasn't important enough for you to tell me that you were here and that kind of draw me back drew me back to their sewer breakup in the prom where you know it just sounded like he was making all these decisions without her right and she was like now i'm just playing catch up so doyle is outside with cordelia and he's like so that's the slayer and Cordelia's like that's our little buffy <laughs> And Doyle says, she seemed a little, and Cordelia says, Bulgarian in that outfit. <laughs> Cordelia. Well, of course, that's where Cordelia's critiques are going to go, right? She's the fashion person. <laughs> and she looks amazing. Cordelia actually looks stunning in this episode. And Doyle says, I was going to say hurt. And Cordelia says, there's a lot of that when they're together. Come on, they'll be into this for a while. We still have time for our cappuccino and probably the director's cut of the Titanic. <laughs> And again, the show, I guess both shows, Buffy and Angel, are are poking fun at the Buffy and Angel dynamic, right? And they were doing this in season three. They are very aware <laughs> of the melodrama that is their relationship. And they do a really good job of balancing the drama with that humor. So that there's it right there. Um, cut back to Angel and Buffy, who um, Angel's apologizing, right? He's like, I handled it wrong. Like, he admits it. And he says, what else was I supposed to do? And Buffy says, I don't know. I just know that when you're around, whether I see you or not, I feel you inside and it throws me. And Angel says, it throws me too. And there it is. Buffy admits she feels him when he's not around because they are psychically connected. They're soulmates. They're twin flames. I said this before. Uh, but they, they share dreams, right? Like Buffy and Angel are connected psychically in different ways. And I, I think we should also pay attention to Buffy's body language here because she's so closed mm -hmm. off, right? Her arms are crossed. She's tense. She's protecting herself. She's keeping herself at a distance. You know, there's this yeah. desk between them. Like, and because she came in here with a purpose, right? Like she, she came to his office. She sought him out. 
She's like, I am going to skewer this guy. You know, I'm How gonna dare tear, he? Tear a strip off of Grr. him. Yeah. But it's not it's not going the way she expected, right? Like, she, she started off so very cold, and she's closed off. But you can tell from the way this conversation is going that it's not going the way she expected. Yeah, and it's also, I mean... They care very deeply about each other, and Angel cares very deeply for her, and she knows that, and that's why she's starting to relent. Like, she's still very guarded, her like, with her body language, um, and this is such a, you know, how do you deal with your ex, right? How do you talk around your ex when there's still feelings there? But it's not going the way she wanted it to, because she wanted to yell at him and then leave, but she's softening up. She's like, you save, you helped save me, and like, like I still feel you, like, ugh, like, this sucks. So Buffy tells him, let's stick to the plan. Keep our distance until time has passed. Given enough time, we should be able to. And Angel says, forget. And she says, yeah. So they both agree. Like when they're near each other, they are drawn to each other. So let's just let's just stay distant. Okay, let's just, let's just stay apart. And Buffy says, I'm going to go start forgetting. And she goes to leave. But then a big green demon with a jewel on his head breaks through Angel's window and starts to, like, fight him. Rude. So rude. They're <laughs> they going... just moved in. Now they're going to lose their deposit. <laughs> right? What is this? Giles' house? <laughs> the bronze? So <laughs> Doyle and Cordelia were on their way out to get a cappuccino, and they hear the noise and commotion, and Doyle, like, wants to go see what, what it is. And Cordelia's so funny. She's like, oh, that's the Buffy and Angel show. First they talk out their differences, then they punch them out. <laughs> Doyle's like, well, we should help. And Cordelia's like, what? stick our noses where they don't belong and get them flattened no thank you <laughs> they go she she's absolutely right yeah <laughs> um she, she's also very lucky like cordelia has found the perfect boss for her because um most other bosses i think would not take kindly to their assistants just kind of setting their own hours going out for cappuccinos in the middle of the work day <laughs> and stuff and you know thanks to the fact that angel is pretty distracted by pretty much anything you know he's like a squirrel yeah um you know cordelia can kind of make her own hours and do work <laughs> on her terms and not actually do much of a job if she doesn't want to well cordelia is brilliant and she even says that later in the episode right she like this is the only thing i'm good at is being angels working for angel um and i think it's funny that you say that because angel is not a micromanager Right. He's not the kind of boss that micromanages. Uh, we were talking about how I think which episode was it? It was maybe Harsh Let a Day uh, where Spike always has these minions. Right. He always has a crew. Mm -hmm. He always relies very heavily on his people. And Angel doesn't. And I think this is the same thing because it's because Angel just doesn't have the capacity to manage anybody. <laughs> and that works out in Cordelia, Cordelia's favor. So Buffy and Angel are fighting this demon and Angel manages to stab it with a sword. And as the demon runs away and jumps out the window, uh, Buffy falls on top of Angel. And then they are very briefly like on top of each other, like about looking deeply into each other's eyes. And then they get up and Buffy says, that was rude. We should kill it. And Angel's like, I'm free. And Buffy says, somewhere I can change. And that was amazing to me. And this is where I made my clothing like subtle clothing so she br she brought her bag with her to stay at her dad's i guess <laughs> right but like if she had really gone to see her dad you'd think she would leave her bag there while she went to see angel she didn't go to see her dad. no she's a fucking liar and also she i was amazed that she was going to change her outfit at all because buffy has fought that was a good outfit evil. yeah and she changes into a white sweater <laughs> 
to go into the sewers. I was like, Buffy, it's like you forget that we watched season two and we didn't watch you fight vampires in stilettos and like a mini skirt. <laughs> so very interesting. Um, so Buffy and Angel are in the sewers. They're their they're, they're favorite spot. Angel knows that the demon is heading toward the ocean because it's wounded and he can smell its blood. And Buffy is so snarky. She's like, handy skill. Maybe if your crack staff didn't run off at the first sign of trouble, they could have helped us with, with some research. Find out what this thing is and why it wants to kill us. And she hears a rat run by. She, so she pulls out her stake. And Angel's like, it's not a vampire. And I don't know why you brought that anyway. And Buffy says, I know how to use it. Besides, it's a lot handier than your fighting axe, because Angel has brought an axe with him. And Angel says, unless he chops it in two and takes your hand with it, and Buffy says, can we get on with the hunting? I'd like this done before dark. And Angel says, I can handle this myself. And Buffy says, you bailed me out last night. I'd like us to be even. And Angel says, oh, we're keeping score now. And I was like, ooh, look at the bickering. The bickering too. Like Buffy is trying so hard to just, she's, she's just very standoffish. And I get it, right? And this is, mm-hmm. this is what happened at the end of season three, right? When Angel's still there to help her. And she's like, get out of here. <laughs> so... I do want to also add here that, like, there's just so much familiarity with these characters. This is why I find the first couple scenes of them together very satisfying to watch, because we have a long history with them, right? There's three seasons of history between them. They're super familiar with each other. Sarah and David work really well together. And I find that their scenes just carry that resonance of their relationship from the past. And I think it's really nice to watch. It's rewarding when you've been with characters this long. Yeah. So as they walk, Angel stops and Buffy says, Angel, you okay? And Angel's like, I feel weird. And Buffy's like, I know I do too. I mean, I only came to see you so I can tell you face to face, not to see me face to face anymore. I know there's a flaw in that logic ointment somewhere, but the next thing I knew, we were being attacked by the mutant ninja demon thing. And then we're on the floor on top of each other. And it's just really confusing being around you. And Angel's like, no, I meant I felt weird about the demon's blood. It's powerful. And this made me laugh, and it was such a, a callback to season one, episode seven, Angel. Remember when Buffy thought she read his diary, her diary, and she like yeah. blew off the handle, and she gives out this heartfelt confession, <laughs> and she's super vulnerable yeah. in that moment. And then, of course, then Angel also he was like, oh, I didn't read it, like I don't know what you're talking about. So nice little callback to those kind of moments. And um, Buffy's really embarrassed, right? And she's like, Let's pretend that never happened. Angel says, no, 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 like, it is confusing. When we're apart, it hu- when we're apart, it's easier. It hurts, it hurts every day, but I live with it. And now you're right here, and I can actually reach out, and it's more than confusing. It's unbearable. And mm. Buffy says, we have to bear, right? What else can we do? It doesn't work with us. It can't. And Angel says, I can't give you a life or a future, anything a real girl would want. And Buffy says, no matter how much we miss each other, And they're getting closer and closer as they're talking, right? Like, are they going to kiss? And Angel says, Mm -hmm. or what we feel in the moment. And Buffy says, if we let something happen here, we'd want more. And nothing's changed. We'd only end up having to leave each other again. And Angel says, that's the best case scenario. So Buffy says, oh boy, I was really jonesing for another heartbreaking sewer talk. (laughs) so angel says i'm sorry again like he is he's sorry and buffy says i'm on the brink of something back home i'm actually heading toward a pretty good life now that and angel says i'm out of the picture that's why i left i want you to have it (laughs) and buffy says can we just find this thing and get this finished 
and she sees a ladder, right? And she's like, well, maybe it went up. And Angel says, well, I can't follow it. And Buffy says, I can. And Angel doesn't want her going alone, but she's like, look, it's best all around if we split up. I can handle it. Angel tells her that there's a dive bar on, like, somewhere nearby that the demon might go to get patched up and tells her to be careful and she leaves. There's a lot of, like, symbolism in this scene, Mm -hmm. right? Their conversation shifts back and forth between their relationship talk and the hunting talk, but it's all, it's like one in the same, right? Where it's like, you know, Angel's like, I can't, I can't follow. And Buffy's like, I can. Right. And it's yeah. like, that's the fundamental difference between them. And he's always trying to protect her. But at the same time, she's always chafing under that because she thinks she doesn't require protection. She wants to be as equal. Yeah. And I actually, that jogged my memory because when I was watching it this time around, one of the times around, the way they talk in the scene, like you said, it's, it's like a dance in their conversation. They're finishing each other's sentences in a lot of ways. And it's very complimentary what they're saying. Like They're on the same page and they're kind of finishing the same monologue. Uh, they're both very hurt from it, too. But it actually reminded me a lot of Romeo and Juliet, like the, the play, because if you ever study that play, a lot of the times when Romeo and Juliet are talking to each other, their actual like prose, it's written in sonnets, right? It's written in like a very specific type of poem. It's written so that their dialogue completes a poem. And I think that's kind of what this reminded me of. I don't think hmm. the writers were going that deep with it, but it is. A, it reminded me of it. So, yeah, so Buffy goes and Angel's walking around the sewers and he finds it. He finds the green demon and his hand gets cut as they fight and he's vamping out. They're fighting and Angel eventually kills the demon. But the blood of the demon gets all mixed in with the cut on his hand. Swirly, swirly light. Ooh, that's never good. Uh, This is like he's going to be able to read minds like an earshot. (laughs) Can you imagine? Amazing. Um, Swirly light, Angel himself starts to glow white. He falls to his knees, and then we hear like a heartbeat. It's like, boom, 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 boom. And he's like, I'm alive. (laughs) There are a few really like hokey lines in this episode, and this is one of them. Yeah, this is one of them. It's very camp. It's very campy. I like it. So, ooh, he's alive. What's going on? Doyle and Cordelia are inspecting Angel's office. They got their coffee, they're back. And the broken window. And Cordelia literally is like, oh, my God. And she sees a pile of dust on the floor. And she, like, goes near it. And she's like, she killed him. It's the funniest part of this episode. I know. And then she's like, oops, my bad. It's just dust. I forgot to sweep under the rug. And I was like, Cordelia, that is so much dust. That is so much that you forgot to sweep up. Doyle says, oh my God, are you trying to give me a heart attack? And Cordelia says, don't blame me if he's too cheap to hire a cleaning lady. Hey, good point. Just because she's the only woman who works there doesn't mean she has to do all the cleaning. Absolutely true. Uh, That's when Angel walks in from the streets and he's looking in a daze. And Cordelia's like, what's wrong? What happened? Did you do it with Buffy? (laughs) Everybody always, right? It's always like, are you evil again? First thing they ask when he walks in. I think that really speaks to how scary he was when he was evil, right? They're just terrified that he's going to be evil again. And Doyle like walks up to him and she's like, watch it, Doyle. Don't get too close. (laughs) So funny. So... Um, Cordelia's like, hey, you walked in from the street. You've, and Angel's like, yeah. She's like, you've got an umbrella. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Cordelia, (laughs) my precious, precious Cordelia. (laughs) 
Oh, the, the, the glee in which she said that, right? Like, you got an umbrella. <laughs> and Angel walks into the sunlight at the window and he's looking at the window and Doyle's like, he's alive, Cordelia. And Angel's like, Buffy and I got attacked by some demon. I tracked it and killed it. Some of its blood mixed with mine. And Doyle's checking his pulse. And Angel's like, I want to find out what that kind of what kind of demon that was. And he's like, oh, my back hurts. Everything is. And Doyle's like, more real now that you're real. And Angel says, I'm mortal now. I have a mortal body. Mortal's hard to say, eh? Mortal. Mortal. <laughs> um, I have a mortal body. And I am so hungry (laughs) and he dives toward cordelia who's like look out he's gonna eat and then he (laughs) like basically behind her was the mini fridge (laughs) which is surprisingly well stocked yeah it's very well stocked and he starts eating like pop tarts and there's chocolate there and he's like inhaling the food and the delight on his face where he's like food like food and he's like so excited and like oh my god we've never seen him this gleeful before angel saying like this is unbelievable i forgot how good it all tastes when you're alive and cordelia says they didn't even have cookie dough fudge mint chip in your day and angel's like i want some can you get that and cordelia's like it'll go straight to your thighs (laughs) i'm now like i'm trying to think like you know if you were like angel and you had just regained you know like your ability to taste and appreciate food because i know that for some people who had covid that was a symptom right was not being able to taste because it affects your sense of smell yeah like angel didn't have that kind of ice cream back in his day you know because he has been a vampire for a long time i'm just thinking like what else has he missed out on in terms of food god so much so much i wonder like what would be the first thing that you would want angel to try i think the ice cream that cordelia brought up is a really good idea but it'd be so fun to like show somebody who has never had something to eat to like show them what Mm -hmm. they could be eating you know (laughs) i mean just so much more processed food and all these like sugars and stuff right oh my angel's gonna have tooth decay oh my god yeah he's gonna have have to to teach him how to brush his teeth properly i know it's not i mean careful what you wish for angel this isn't like the (laughs) this isn't as good of a deal as you think it is so angel's giggling over the chocolate and he drinks yogurt he's like oh i don't like a little yogurt and doyle's like focus we're in a situation here angel's like okay you're right you're right let me think and he's like, now my stomach's killing me. Cordelia, find Buffy. She's in Santa Monica near the Lone Bar. Tell her I, I killed the demon, but don't tell her what happened to me. Not until I know what it means. So Cordelia goes to leave and Doyle and Angel do some research. Probably took five minutes because Doyle found the book that says the demon is a Mora demon and they're powerful assassins, soldiers of darkness kind of thing. They take out warriors for our side like you and Buffy and they need vast quantities of salt to live and its veins run with the blood of eternity. Their blood has regenerative properties. So Doyle is the Giles of this (laughs) show and Angel is looking at his reflection in the mirror and what a reflection it is he's so handsome and he's saying well that explains what happened to me it doesn't explain why and doyle says well what difference does it make the demon is dead you're alive it's happy fun time and angel's like well what's going on here doyle and doyle's like i don't know i thought the only way that you could be made mortal was if the powers that be step in and angel says they could have done this like how come i got the feeling that you're not telling me everything And Doyle says, because I'm not. We're both on a need-to-know basis here. So, ooh, Doyle has secrets. And 
Angel says, like, I need to know, like, is this permanent? Am I normal Joe now? Can I have a normal life? Like, I want to speak to them. And Doyle's like, that's easier said than done. Like, the powers that be don't live in our reality. You have to approach them through channels, dangerous channels. And Angel <laughs> says, start approaching. So Doyle's like, all right, I can, I, we can try the oracles. If they turn you into a toad, don't say I didn't warn you. So this must be a really rare side effect of this particular demon blood or else wouldn't others be trying to use it for the same purpose of like you know reversing somebody being turned into a vampire agree uh i actually think if i were to critique this episode i don't like to but if i were to find flaws in it uh this would be it the mora demon is incredibly convenient there's nothing else said about him like are there more is he the only one and why did he attack them now was he waiting for Buffy and Angel to get back together before he could attack them? <laughs> He's, like, stalking both of them. He's got, like, a little van. He drives back and forth between Sunnydale and Los Angeles. He's, like, any moment now. And he, he's, like, watching, like, like romantic, like, soap operas and stuff to try to understand human relationships. So he's, like, okay, okay. So they're, they've broken up. He's, like, but they're going to see each other again. I know it because the telenovela told me so. It's also very possible that he is a Buffy and Angel shipper and he wants them to get back together. So he knows a common foe is the easiest way to bring these heroes <laughs> together. He's like, I'm going to take one for the team. <laughs> and we thank you for that, Mora. Thank you so much. Really. Mora, true hero here. <laughs> Praise Mora. <laughs> <laughs> Because once again, Angel's a vampire. He can't hang out in the daylight. Unless he has an umbrella. <laughs> this cave has a, a an interesting kind of Greek aesthetic to it. It's got a little archway. Um, and Doyle is lecturing Angel because, again, as you said, he's the Giles of the show. So he gets to be all ornery. And he yes. says, the oracles are finicky and unpredictable. Uh, you go in, you don't dilly-dally, ask your questions and get out. <laughs> um, and so he does a little ritual to open the doorway and Angel goes through um, and there's these these two beings. One of them appears to be a man. The other one appears to be a woman. They have like gold skin with blue kind of toga style dress. And the, the skin's painted with like a really light like blue leaf work. To, it's yeah. a very intricate makeup job. It's actually really beautiful, I thought. I think they're really cool to look at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're fascinating. Well, they're, they're, very, they're very clearly designed to look very otherworldly but in quite a, a beautiful, by human standards, way, as opposed to demons, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we so rarely see people like this in the Buffyverse, right? So the male oracle, um, I'm going to call him Jeff. <laughs> Jeff says, oh, come before us, lower being. What have you brought us? Uh, and Angel's like, what, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> what? <laughs> And Jeff says, you call us forth, but you bring no offering. Classic Jeff. <laughs> right? So needy. I know. So fortunately, Angel's wearing a watch because he may be a vampire, but he also has to tell time. Yes. Yes. So he takes off his watch um, and he, he holds it out. And the female oracle, what are we going to call her? Barb. <laughs> Barb. I like it. Okay. So Barb makes the watch float to her and, you know, she examines it. She's like, ah, I like time. There's so little Ooh. and so much of it. And, and that's important for this episode, right? Because this whole episode is grounded in the idea of the time that Buffy and Angel do or don't have. 
Mm-hmm. So Angel's like, what's up? What gives? What's going on? <laughs> and the oracles, the oracles basically chat to each other. And one of them's like, well, he's no longer a warrior. And Angel's like, yeah, I know. It's the demon blood. But did the powers that be do this? And Jeff says, the powers that be, what are you talking about? Like, did you save humanity? Did you avert the apocalypse? Are you watching the same TV show we're watching, buddy? Like, <laughs> you, skip an you faced a Mora demon. <laughs> Life goes on. And Angel's like, yeah, but I'm human now. I'm not poisoned. This isn't some kind of spell. And the Oracle's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. No. Which, to be fair, honestly, that's a very clear answer. That's more than you would expect from these kinds of, like, ambiguous conduit channel type beings, right? Usually they they give you their prophecies and their stuff in riddles. So at least they're being like straightforward. They're like, from this day, you will live and die as any mortal man, privy to all the pains and pleasures, says Barb. Pleasures. Barb. Fair. Barb wants a doom Like uh, chunky ice cream. (laughs) Pop-tarts. So Jeff says, that which we serve is no longer that which you serve. You are released from your fealty. Um, and they turn around. They're going to leave. They're going to walk down this long, infinite corridor into the light. <laughs> and Angel's like, that's all? <laughs> He's not impressed. Um, and Jeff waves his hand. And Angel gets literally ejected from the room. <laughs> almost, like, knocks Doyle over. And Doyle's like, you just left. Look at your watch. And he was like, I can't look at my watch, Doyle. Next time, remind me to bring a gift. And Doyle's like, oh, yeah, I, I <laughs> thought I was forgetting Angel's something. Angel's so pissed about that. He's like, next time, remind me. Like, I look like an idiot. Well, we already knew. We, we knew Angel's a petty bitch, right? <laughs> yeah. And now that he's mortal, he's even more so. Well, he's also a lot harder on Doyle as his staff than he is at Cordelia. <laughs> but don't you think that Angel could get, because Angel's going to say, like, it's so confusing. He's like, what do I do now? I have got this whole new life spread before me. Is it not clear? He's now in L.A. He should become a male model. Angel, it, it, the answer is clear. Also, you have your charcuterie boards. You have your Instagram abilities. <laughs> There's so many things that you could do with that face. So just don't worry. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> this town is built for you. So Doyle says, oh, yeah, it's overwhelming. You can do pretty much whatever you want now. Exactly what we were saying, right? right? Doyle knows the score. Yeah. Angel doesn't understand that things have changed in the centuries, Angel. You know, people people no longer have smallpox scars. Like, right. you can... You can do a lot in L.A. I'm pretty sure this is, like, if this is not 1999, it's 2000. And, like, Abercrombie is right around the corner for you to go and apply mm, and be a model. One of the naked right? models Just, there. Please. You know, show off that those abs. <laughs> it's almost too easy. So then we cut to Buffy. She's walking along the beach. <gasps> the sun is shining. <sighs> she looks beautiful. But her Buffy sensor, her Slayer sensors are tingling. So she turns around. Her angel senses. And who does she see but... Angel. Angel? <laughs> and this, this is similar to the dream sequence we had back in season three after Angel had gone to hell, right? And Buffy was dreaming of Angel and her being on a beach together. So it's kind of like her dream has come true. <sighs> so the music swells. He walks up to her and he kisses her. But what music swells? It's the Buffy and Angel theme song, and it is epic, and it starts to play. And this is a 10 out of 10 kiss. This is like one of my favorite TV trope kisses, <laughs> where like the, the big damn kiss, right? Where like, oh, oh, it was so good. And like the, the camera swoops around them. Mm, 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 mm. This is so good and so beautiful. Like she's in the sun. And Sarah Michelle Geller's face, like Buffy's face, 
when he comes out of the shadows is priceless. Like she's like amazed. Oh, oh, it's so good. We cut to after the kiss, we leave the kiss. It must have been a commercial break so we could all, you know, compose ourselves. <laughs> uh, the clock on Angel's desk is in focus and it's 5 p.m. So again, we said time and that time is the major theme of this episode. We saw it at the beginning. Angel gave his watch away and now it's 5 p.m. Cordelia is complaining to Doyle that her plant is dying. and She's like, I'm telling you, where she leads, dark forces follow. <laughs> she's complaining about Buffy. And actually, this is interesting because... Uh, Doyle asks if she's jealous. And Cordelia, Cordelia says, jealous of her? Please. Jealous or not, our lives are about to kaleidoscope. Now, do we think Cordelia is jealous of Buffy? Because I don't think she is. I think, no. I mean, we'd have to watch maybe the first seven episodes of Angel no, first. No, because but. Cordelia is always thinking about herself, right? Yeah. So she's annoyed that her plan's dying. Buffy is a convenient thing to blame it on. I don't think she even really believes what she's saying. She's just, again, it's that no filter. It's just the thought goes into her head and comes out of her mouth. But it's also so nicely consistent with Cordelia's character because Cordelia has been blaming Buffy for her troubles. She's like a vampire. She's been blaming blaming Buffy for everything since Buffy got to town. Like, that's what the whole wish was about, the wish episode. And then after that, she honestly thinks that Buffy came to Sunnydale disturbed the status quo <laughs> and that's why her life is the way it is so maybe being in la for a while is gonna like shake her of that but obviously buffy being back in her space and um her plant is now dead and her boss might be human and therefore she might be out of a job so she's like here's buffy ruining everything again is buffy the big bad <laughs> in cordelia's life she really is so Doyle says, like, like Angel's only been human for a day. How, like, how do you figure that? And Cordelia says, the last two and a half hours of which they have been, they have spent down there in his apartment together. And Doyle's like, so don't they deserve a little happiness after all they've been through? And yeah, Doyle, they really do. And Cordelia says, like, she starts to explain the lore of Buffy and Angel. And she's like, they suffer, they fight. That's business as usual. They get groiny with one another. The world as we know it falls apart. <laughs> so Doyle's like, he's not cursed anymore. Anyway, you can't be sure that they're, you know. And Cordelia says, oh, please. They've got the forbidden love of all time. They've been apart for months. Now he's suddenly human. I'm sure they're down there just having tea and crackers. Cut to Angel <laughs> offering Buffy more tea because they've been eating tea and crackers. <laughs> That's probably all he has, right? Like, well, I think while he was gone, surely before, like he before he went to the oracles, he told Cordelia to stock up on <laughs> food oh that's fair so yeah they're they're literally having a very logical adult conversation right like they're sitting on opposite sides of the table boring boring i did but responsible very responsible i did note that buffy has a band-aid on her finger like i don't know where she got that or when but she her fingers wrapped up um so Angel's apologizing for kissing her like that. And she's like, you, like, he's like, I'm sorry for kissing you. And she's like, you are? And he's like, no, not for the kiss itself. And she's like, good. I mean, because as far as kisses go, I thought it was well above average. And he's like, it was incredible. <laughs> and Buffy's face when he says that is so, so cute. And um, Angel thinks that they're asking for trouble to rush back into things. Not that I don't want to rush. 
believe me, I do. And she's like, well, you spoke to the oracles. They said that you were cured for good. But how do we really know that they speak for the powers that be? Like, they could be pranksters. And this is good. This is good, I think, learning. Because remember the shaman demon from Enemies? He was, like, working for the mayor. But turns out he was actually best friends with Giles. (laughs) So we don't know. You don't know. And I think it's good to be skeptical about these things. Mm -hmm. So Angel says... Um, there could be a loophole and Buffy's like exactly and then the two of us are even deeper and it's grr all over again so I just love there's so many things to worry about here but everyone is just mostly worried that Angel will go evil again everybody's concerned I I didn't (laughs) interpret that line as her being worried that he'd be evil again I interpreted it as the loophole might you know change him back into a vampire or something and then they couldn't be together just in general. Uh, okay 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 yeah so i'm i that's actually a, a much nicer way to interpret that i interpret it as like if we have sex right now and you lose your soul we're <laughs> fucked <laughs> but but are they because he's not going to be a vampire i'm pretty sure buffy could take oh, on true. human and jealous <laughs> yeah 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 he's a, just an evil dude now <laughs> so he's an ethan rage he's just a republican <laughs> It's another Republican Abercrombie and Fitch model. <laughs> Typical. Typical. Did he go to his house in the Hamptons? <laughs> he changes his name to Brad. <laughs> Scott Hope. Uh, Who? <laughs> okay, okay. So they agree that they're going to wait. They're going to wait. Um, see if this mortal thing oh, takes. Good. good, good idea. And even if it does, it's still complicated, okay? Because Buffy is the Slayer, and they don't know what Angel is anymore. Um, he's the Slayer's concubine. Hello, he's the Slayer's mistress. <laughs> no better thing to be. Her boy toy. Hello. One would be so lucky. Um, Angel says he doesn't know what his purpose is. And I love this because, like, Angel would be worried about his purpose because his purpose was to come to L.A. Like, he came back from He's hell. He's so serious. Angel, your purpose is to blow Buffy's mind here. Huh. <laughs> your purpose is to make us all wish we had a vampire boyfriend just like you. And... <sighs> The thing is, though, it's true, though, because he came back from hell. So he's like, I thought I was going to spend the rest of, like, eternity helping the helpless, right? And all of a sudden, I'm not? Like, what the hell? And Is um, he worried he's not going to be able to smolder as much anymore? Yeah, he's like, how can I possibly brood when I'm human? <laughs> just My whole vibe is off. My life is so much better now. This sucks. This sucks so bad. Ooh. So he can't just... <laughs> So he says he can't just wedge himself back in her life at Sunnydale. It wouldn't be good for either of them. Not to mention the fact that she just started college. What about slaying? If she had to worry about him all the time, she might not be able to focus. And I was like, yeah, that's true. Well, okay, we saw that. okay. But for, could we not just like entertain an alternate universe where Angel goes back to college with Buffy? Because <laughs> he is chronologically right. He is college age. Like, he's a little bit older than her, but Anyone you know, can go he's to college. probably around Riley's age. So, like, he could go to college and get a degree at UC Sunnydale and punch Parker Abrams if he so chooses. God, that is a give me that fan fiction right now. Give it to me. <laughs> Angel, the college years. Angel, we know an initiative that you could join <laughs> if you want to feel useful. <laughs> Uh, Buffy is getting really disheartened by this, probably because she knows exactly what exactly what you said, Kara. She was like, yeah, why can't you just enroll in college with me? And then we could, you know, <laughs> be dorm besties. And um, Angel says, uh, come since it's closer to her, because she's getting upset, right? And I think this is a callback again to, remember 
when he broke up with her in the sewer in the prom and he basically said like I don't want you anymore or she I don't want to be with you right so I think she's taking that to heart when he said when he has all these reasons not to be together so she's like oh my god like it's the same thing all over again so she's getting sad about that and Angel comes and sits closer to her and reassures her he's like I'm not saying I don't want you Buffy because you do you know how much like like I'm just saying it's worth the wait to know that it's right and I need to be sure so that I won't hurt you again and I'm like that is so valid Angel so valid he's thinking about her so Buffy says it's a good thing I didn't fantasize about you turning human only about 10 zillion times because today would have been a real letdown (laughs) same Buffy same so she gets up and she walks to the counter like in their kitchen and she's like okay so how does the mature plan go and he stands up and stands next to her and he's like you know we stay in touch just not and she's like literally (laughs) so she's like okay i better go and he's like yep remove the temptation and she's like we'll talk soon and she places her hand on his hand like to say goodbye and the chemistry the touch the need it explodes and they immediately start making out because duh duh you cannot put these two sexy lonely insanely in love people in a basement together and not have this happen so they start passionately making out okay angel pushes her up against the fridge she wraps her legs around his body like and i was just like It's been three years, honey. Like, let it out. Let it out, you two. Have fun. So Angel carries her to the kitchen table, knocks everything on the floor because passion, and they start doing it on the table, and it's it's everything. It's everything. I'm gonna I'm gonna it's just everything. step away for a moment and I'll come back in a couple minutes when oh. you're ready. Oh, this is so good. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's been three years. I will say this. It is better than the biting from last season i agree with you on that okay but i was i was holding on to the crumbs of that scene because it's all we got right but now we get this now we get this and it's fucking great so ah they do it probably seven times we cut to oh my God. naked angel getting food from the fridge oh he's naked so he's buffy's cars <laughs> like calm the fuck down buffy's calling from off screen she's like get peanut butter the country kind <laughs> angel carries all this food naked i see the outline of his butt oh my <laughs> he is so in shape and buffy's sitting on his bed <laughs> wearing his shirt it's so fucking cute she's wearing his shirt um that she ripped off his body earlier and um (laughs) he's feeding her ice cream and she's saying this is a dream and i'm like yeah it is a dream it sure is and she says you're human for like a minute and already there's cookie dough fudge mint chip in the fridge you know that's cordelia's like we discussed right cordelia must have stocked that fridge earlier so this is you gotta thank Cordelia here. Thank you so much, Cordelia, for letting them have sex and eat food off each other. It's awesome. I don't... Okay, um, more... Steph, what is your opinion on food in the bed? Um, You just need to have a really good plan for cleaning. A very good cleaning plan. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not gonna... You know, I won't pretend I'm a saint. Uh, I definitely bring snacks to bed once in a blue moon because I'm human. But I personally don't like having food in bed because not even just the crumbs and mess and stuff, but it's also just like, 
it's bad. Yeah, no, I'm actually with you on that. I very rarely eat in bed because, like you said, the crumbs. They should have made a blanket fort on the ground, and then they could have their food in there. Well, who knows? If they, maybe they did that. They were in there. So let's say, like, let's say they got there at 3 o'clock because it was 5 o'clock when Cordelia and Doyle are talking, and they started doing it right at 5. And I say they had about 6 to 7 hours, possibly more, <laughs> probably, like, I, 10 no, hours. Okay, I'm good. we don't have to analyze They made this. a blanket fort down there. They had a shower. They did a bunch of stuff in that time, and no one can tell me otherwise. So I also want to say in in my head canon that Cordelia brought the food in there while they were preoccupied. <laughs> I was going to suggest that. <laughs> she, she tiptoed in, <laughs> and they didn't notice her. So um, Angel's telling her, like, God, I love food. And she's like, food is good. And she feeds him chocolate dipped in peanut butter which is delicious honestly and um they kiss and oh my god it's so sweet and he's wondering why she, she never told him about chocolate and peanut butter and she's like well i figure your if your vamp but taste buds couldn't really savor it then i it would only hurt to know and then she says by the way i'm over the whole needing to be mature thing that time you just spent in the kitchen that was enough time apart and angel says too much and actually i noticed here i noticed in the scene because i was watching it intently as you can imagine (sighs) you can see the scar on her neck from the infamous bite scene and remember i told you back in like i don't know i think it was harsh light a day that i was going to keep an eye out to see if i could see that scar and there it is so they kiss and angel drips ice cream onto his chest by accident or was it and <laughs> and she licks it up and they laugh and they continue so to So I, I needed to ask you yeah. about this particular moment. Uh-huh. What did you feel, Stephanie, as you watched Sarah Michelle Geller lick ice cream off David Boyana's chest? Boyana's chest. I felt elation. I felt thrills. <sighs> I felt contentment. I felt <sighs> sentimental. I felt alive. <laughs> so many words that I felt. This is fucking amazing. This is amazing. <laughs> if you've watched this couple, as we have, uh, for three seasons, where they cannot touch each other, like this is the scene that we all deserved. We deserve to see them being intimate, licking stuff off each other. <laughs> And just spending this quality time in bed together. We've ne- Buffy's never had this in her life. Because we cannot say mm. that her time in bed with Parker was quality time. <laughs> he seems like someone who would fall asleep immediately after. So <sighs> it, this is just, it's lovely. And to see Angel smile this much, like unheard of. We've never seen him this happy, right? So they're just, they're getting their perfect moment. It's perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay? And it... it it's going to end here. This is the end of the series for both Buffy and Angel. <laughs> it's been a good run. They go to college together. They become psychology major professors together, and it, everything's lovely. The end. Alas, we cut to Cordelia and Doyle at a bar. We leave the bedroom and let them have sex nine more times. <laughs> and Cordelia and Doyle are at the bar. It's probably like midnight now. And uh, is Cordelia not too young to be at the bar? Like, we again, we have not watched the first seven episodes of Angel. This is the eighth. Um, but it just feels like they have aged Cordelia up. She should be 18 well, or 19 here. And you, but you can go to a bar when you're under 21, right? Like, she just she's not allowed to get an alcoholic beverage. 
much unless she has a fake ID. Well, yeah, but even to get into the bar at that time of night, like you'd think. And Doyle's like like a man. Like he must be like 28 or 29, right? Doyle is a man, yes. <laughs> He's actually pretty good too. He's actually pretty cute. We should watch Angel. <laughs> he looks kind of like Angel. And no! Stop that! What the hell? But it's true. Stop. They're white guys with dark hair. Short, dark hair. No. Get out of here. Stop. You're cut. You're done. You're done. You're done. Uh, Cordelia is upset that she's out of a job. Fair. And Doyle says, it's not just you. And Cordelia's like, oh, please. Who are you kidding? You know you're glad this happened. And Doyle says, like, I'm glad for Angel, but if this means I'm off the hook with the powers that be, then all the better. And he's free to go out and make his own mark on the world. And Cordelia says, I had a cat that used to do that. <laughs> and Cordelia's upset because, again, everything's about Cordelia. And she's like, what am I going to do? I'm good for exactly two things. International superstardom or helping a vampire with a soul to rid the world of evil. And that's exactly right, Cordelia. That's what we're saying. Like, you're really lucky <laughs> that you captured Angel because she created her own job with yeah, Angel. She, she found her path very quickly in life. It's so great when you can kind of mold your own career. And she did that. <laughs> she created a spot for her at Angel Investigations. And... um she says that makes for a very short but colorful resume and doyle says whatever happens from here on out at least i'll be able to say goodbye to the bone crunching head wrenching mind numbing visions and then boom he has a vision right he falls of on the course. bar yeah i don't like these powers that be they're dicks i don't like them either like why does it have to hurt like why does it got to be painful also i want to add that i did go to the very end of see episode seven before we watched pangs and the vision he got of buffy was of her fighting that random vampire at the beginning of the episode <laughs> so it wasn't even like the schumach warrior it wasn't anything like that it was just like one vampire so like come on they did i think the powers of b are fucking with angel they want him to go there and have this whole thing happen it's all meant to be so we should let xander off the hook <laughs> so Doyle sees Mora, the Mora demon, in his vision. So Angel and Buffy <laughs> are in bed, cuddling, and they're naked, obviously. Post-coitus, 20 times probably, Buffy <sighs> is listening to his heartbeat. And she's like, what a good sound. And he says, it feels pretty amazing. And Buffy says, I'm so glad we didn't logic ourselves out of this. We'll make it work, right? And Angel says, we will. I've already enrolled at UC Sunnydale. <laughs> <laughs> And Buffy cuddles in closer and she's like, I'm so sleepy, but I still want. And Angel's like, what? You couldn't possibly. I mean, not that I wouldn't. I was like, yeah, do it. But Buffy says, no, I'm spent. Pleasantly numb even. And Angel says, for now. And she says, I want to stay awake so that this day can keep happening. And Angel kisses her on the forehead and says, sleep. We'll make another one like it tomorrow. And Buffy says the most vulnerable thing she's ever said. And it's Angel. This is the first time I've ever really felt this way. And Angel says, what way? And she says, just like I've always wanted to, like a normal girl falling asleep in the arms of her normal boyfriend. It's perfect. And he kisses her on the forehead and they fall asleep together. And like, oh, this like breaks my heart because we've been following Buffy all through her Slayer life. And it is the biggest theme and the biggest problem of hers is that she wants to feel normal. And she wants normal experiences. So for her to admit here that this is actually the first time that she's ever really felt that way, that she's ever felt perfectly happy and content, mm. it's this. 
Oh, it's so sad. Some time passes. Buffy's asleep. Angel, of course, is a vampire, is watching her sleep. (laughs) Wait, Angel's not a vampire anymore. What are you doing, dude? You you also need to sleep now. Humans watch people sleep, too. (laughs) Ugh. So Doyle comes in. Because I don't, did Doyle knock? I don't remember. Came in the <laughs> same way Cordelia came in. <laughs> so Angel puts on a robe. Oh. Uh, he goes to meet him, and Doyle says, "Okay, well, I've got some tips for you." Uh, turns out the Mora demon regenerated, uh, just like it regenerated Angel. Um, and Doyle Doyle got a vision about it, so he's like, mm, "It was in a factory. I thought I tasted salt." <laughs> Although he blames it on the margarita <laughs> he was drinking. <laughs> Um, but Angel's like, no, that checks out. They need salt. Um, so he's like, I have to kill it again. <laughs> and Doyle's like, yeah, but you're human now. You know, they, they released you from this obligation. But Angel is already throwing on clothes, which good instinct, Angel. You should, probably shouldn't go fight the demon in your robe. <laughs> I wouldn't mind watching that, though. Oh, dear. <laughs> and uh, he's like, what? You think we should just let it go? We should just let it roam free? You saw it in the factory. So he immediately <laughs> concludes that this must be the saline plant in Redondo. <laughs> like, Angel has very good knowledge of the geography of L.A. and, like, where everything is in this city. That's his town, all right? Batman knows where everything in Gotham is. Why wouldn't Angel know? Well, he's only been there for seven episodes. <laughs> Maybe Los Angeles was named after him. He probably literally yeah, that's founded true. Like, this. I, yeah, we know that he spent some time in L.A. Um, so Doyle's like, shouldn't we bring along somebody supernatural? <laughs> and they turn and they look at Buffy, but she's still asleep because she can sleep through two grown men arguing about killing a demon. <laughs> <laughs> Doyle's like, don't you want to wake the girl? And Angel says, not for the world. Not for the world. He just really wants her to be happy. Just stay in bed, sleep, have a good night. Yeah. She must be sore. I mean, I... I... <laughs> Like, it's not a great plan, Angel, but I get why he's doing it, right? Like, it it must be hard, you know, because he's cast himself in this role as a hero. And suddenly that gets taken away from him. And yes, it is in in some ways it is his dream and it's Buffy's dream. But that's an adjustment. (laughs) You know, you can't expect him to just put down his heroic duties right away. Yeah. And I think if, hey, here's another flaw that we could pick apart for this episode. It is out of character for Angel, who's usually pretty aware of his situations, um, to think that he can take on Mora without Buffy. But again, I, I'm with you. I, I know why he's doing this, right? And he explains more of it later. Uh, they make good time. We got right to them <laughs> being at the salt plant. And Dora's like, oh, by the way, so he left this out. They had all this time while they were traveling to the salt plant. They could have chatted about strategy. No, Doyle waits until they get there. And he's like, by the way, it comes back bigger and stronger. (laughs) And he's like, we should go back and get Buffy. And it's like, you had this entire time (laughs) to tell that to Angel. Why are you dropping this on him now when they've made it to the salt plant? Doyle, I'm just sorry. I'm just I'm questioning your sidekick attitude here. Yeah, me too. Me too. A little more common sense, please. So Angel's like, no, I know what I'm doing. And we see the glowing demon eyes because that is the theme these days, right? Like glowing demon eyes were so in back then. <laughs> yeah. No matter how you remember the demons from living conditions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's one way to tell a demon. Their eyes glow. So Doyle's like, but this isn't the average demon we're fighting. It nearly licked you before. Now you're immortal. Yeah. We know Doyle. Yeah, we know. Duh. We saw it. We saw him and Buffy having sex. Yeah. It's burned duh. into my brain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Angel's like, well... Um, if this is going to work with me and Buffy, 
I'm just going to have to do this on my own. I can't keep risking her life every time some minion of hell just tell me how to kill it. <sighs> and, and and so it's like, you know, at this point, this is the, the crux of Buffy's relationships, right? Is she's always reluctant to put her human allies in harm's way. And now Angel falls under that category. Mm-hmm. Also, we have to remember that this must be similar to like when Buffy lost her powers when she when she was drugged by Giles. Like Angel obviously knows how to fight. But he spent the last two centuries relying on his vampire strength and speed and endurance and healing. So even though he has the knowledge of how to fight, his body is going to respond differently and it's going to hurt more and it's going to tire more easily. So it's going to it's going to take him a long time to adjust to his new human limitations. So in, in addition, what I'm trying to say is like in addition to just the fact that he's now vulnerable because he's immortal... I think he's going to struggle a little bit with his combat and stuff because he's not used to the way his body is going to react now. Yeah, I agree. And it's also mixing into this new insecurity of his where he wants to be worthy of fighting by Buffy's side. Because remember, again, in Becoming Part 1, when we met, when when Angel was first approached by the powers that be, by Whistler, who worked for the powers that be, it was Buffy who inspired him to join the fight because he has the power. And now he doesn't. So I think it is a big insecurity of him, of his, to think that he can no longer assist Buffy in this, that he can't be side by side soldiers with her, that he he has to, you know, take a back seat. And that's just not who he is as a character. He's got to do research with Xander. (laughs) And like, I'll add that, you know, while he may not have the physical ability to take on Mora, he does have the physical ability to have sex for 10 hours straight with Buffy and then go fight a normal demon. Like he's he's still in shape. Yeah. I'm just saying he's going to have to like maintain that shape now. Yes, uh, not eat so much yeah, ice cream. He's going to have to train more. Yeah, the ice cream will go straight to his thighs. It's a Cordelia says. <laughs> so Doyle has brought a book along. Apparently he's just doing more research on the fly. <laughs> Fuck Doyle. Jesus. <laughs> so he's like, to slay the beast, one must bring darkness to a thousand eyes. <laughs> These books are never clear, right? Like, why do you not just write down what you mean, book? The oracles were more clear than this book on Mora. <laughs> so Angel says, but I only saw two eyes. And then this, and this goes into what I was just saying about him, his body reacting differently. He sees a bunch of dead bodies. And the blood overwhelms him. You know, he's grossed out by it. See, that confused me. That confused me. Because I was like, why did he have such a visceral reaction to that? Because when he was a vampire, the smell of blood was intoxicating to him. I don't know if you smell blood lately, Steph, but blood smells bad. Have you? Like, it's... (laughs) I get nosebleeds quite frequently. (laughs) Okay, I was like, what? Um, Blood, you know, it's got this, like, irony (laughs) smell to it, right? Yeah. I'm sure there are some people who don't mind the smell of blood, but for me, I don't like the smell of blood. And there must be a lot of it there. And the sight of it, right? Like, it's no longer his food. It's Mm. this awful thing that belongs inside his body. Oh, okay. Oh, I like that. Okay, great. Thank you for explaining. I was confused. So Dora's like, it's not an easy sight. It's part of being human. Because, again, like Angel, when he was a vampire, he was desensitized to this. You have to remember, he... Uh, even though he had a soul, right? Like he had these instincts of the demon being like, I'm going to kill all these people and leave their bodies around. Like that's what Angelus did. Mm -hmm. So yes, he had a soul. So that made him feel bad for what he did. But I think there's a little bit like it it kind of desensitizes him. And now that he's a human with a soul, that 
sensitivities back. So like all of this stuff is really freaking him out the way it would most humans. Right, right. Because his senses are different. So he's smelling things, taking mm-hmm. it in differently. I get it. Yeah. I get it. So Doyle's like giving him a pep talk. He's like, remember, the demon is brutal, deadly, and it's here. <laughs> and the Moro jumps down as if on cue. Like the Moro is just waiting. He's like, I got to wait for my entrance Of course. Cue. He couldn't have scripted this better, right? He's like, enter stage <laughs> left now. <laughs> so cue the fight scene. Oh, no. Uh, classic Giles. Doyle gets knocked out. <laughs> classic. You always need one, right? <laughs> uh, so the Mora and Angel go head to head. Uh, and the Mora is beating up Angel. Oh, Angel gets like, his it's ass brutal. kicked. Yeah. But, and it's like, Angel's a human now. Again, your body is not as durable as when you were a vampire. Like, how did he not die? How does he not die? There's one part where Mora kicks him and he, like, spins and hits the wall. And I was like, that he would die. So we cut to Buffy. Um, she's looking for Angel. She goes into the office and only Cordelia is there. And she's labeling the office equipment like it's, you know, her personal breakup. She's like trying to figure out like what to take with her. And she asks, she she holds up an axe and she asks, is this antique? And Buffy says Byzantine, which like the way Cordelia reacts, you know, she doesn't know what that means. She thinks Buffy's like, no, it's not antique. Whereas, you know, something's Byzantine. It's very old. Yeah. Buffy asks where Angel is and Cordelia. Once again, Cordelia is not thinking about her, like Buffy and Angel. She's thinking about herself. And she says, I've decided not to feel sorry for myself. I'm taking matters into my own hands. I'm organizing a little going out of business sale to subsidize the severance package that Angel never bothered setting up for me. <laughs> Angel wouldn't know how to set that up. <laughs> She's stealing from the company. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and so <laughs> yeah. Buffy just wisely, because she's used to dealing with Cordelia's self-centered rants, she just decides not to engage. Smart. And she's like, did Angel tell you where he was going? Cordelia's like, you know, I'm in some real pain here, and all you can do is talk about Angel. Has it ever occurred to you how this whole turning human thing might affect me? <laughs> oh, Cordelia, I love you so much. I know. I like how Buffy's just like, regrettably, no. <laughs> <laughs> Right? She's like, just tell me where Angel is. It's all she cares about. But it kind of makes me sad, eh? That Buffy and Cordelia are never going to be friends. Like, they're never going to let them be friends. You know? Like, they're, yeah. they're, they have, like, I thought maybe at the end of season three they had found a nice little balance, but like, they're both quite rude to each other here. They're wrapped up in their own lives. Yeah. 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 And when she asks Cordelia again where Angel is, Cordelia says, well, he told me not to tell you. And Buffy's like, is he in trouble? What are we, in second grade here? <laughs> like, tell me. And Cordelia says, do you want to talk about being mature? Maybe it's time you grow up and realize you can't have everything. You can't have Angel and save the world. And I was like, oh, okay. So the show is just going <laughs> to scream this at us through Cordelia? <laughs> Like, I mean, of all the people I want to hear say that, it's Cordelia. Well, Cordelia is the appropriate person to say it, right? Because no one else tells Buffy to her face what's up. So, And when they do, we get mad at them, but not Cordelia because she does it in a very blunt and Cordelia way. So Cordelia goes on and says, it's, it's your fault that he went off to fight the thing all by himself, dot, dot, dot. And Buffy's like, what thing? So, so Mora is murdering angel right now like i don't know how he's surviving this beat up uh they fall through the floor into this salt area i don't know um and mora is above angel and he's about to stab him with the sword and he says 
the end of days has begun and cannot be stopped. For anyone, for anyone of us that falls, ten shall rise. And I was like, this is classic demon. Okay, Mora, right? like you are talking too much. Just kill him. <laughs> he just wanted some lines, okay? He's been silent this whole show so far. It's true, it's true. He's like, I'm not just a day player. I've got lines. I'm getting paid. <laughs> So Buffy jumps in just then and stops him from stabbing Angel. She picks up the sword and Mora has a, a nunchuck. I said nunchuck. What is it? Nunchuck. Nunchuck. Uh, but what is it? What, what, like, what, is it one, a nunchuck? Like the thing that he has? It's like a, a ball on a chain. <laughs> Are you talking about a mace? Uh, yeah, you're right. It's a mace. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Angel, the series, has much more sophisticated weapons. <laughs> And um, she says, "She says um, you hurt my boyfriend." <laughs> and Mora's like, "A great darkness is coming." And she's like, "You got that right." And they fight. <laughs> and Buffy is like, "Come on, this is the great warrior of darkness." And they're they're fighting more. But then Mora starts to win the fight. Like it looks like he's going to take her out. And he tells her, "Like together you are powerful. Alone you are dead." And he starts to choke Buffy. And Angel has been on the ground. Um, hurt at this point and Mora says what do you think of the great warrior now and then Angel gets up and says it's a little bland needs salt and he throws salt in Mora's eyes and even though Mora needs salt to live he's just like ah no (laughs) I mean yeah to be fair if you had salt thrown in your eyes you wouldn't have a good time I know, it's true. I definitely would drop the Slayer. I was choking if that happened to me. Um, So Buffy falls. Mora throws Angel onto the ground again. And then he picks up Buffy. And I swear to Moloch, I thought that he was going to break her back. Because the way he, like, he does. Like, he, like, snaps her on his knee. Nothing comes of it. But I was like, holy shit, that would have broken her bones. So Angel, from the ground, sees a jewel on his forehead, and it's like, ooh, there's a thousand eyes in the jewel. So he says, um, he tells Buffy to smash the jewel. So Buffy picks up the mace and smashes the jewel on Mora's head, and Mora is destroyed. So Buffy crawls over to Angel, puts his his head. He's very wounded. Like, he must have eternal bleeding. Apparently nothing's broken, but, like, surely he would die from yeah, this. Yeah, the, the episode takes some liberties here because, of course, like, in the next scene, he looks fine. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, he's a little bit bruised, but, like, surely his face would be mashed in. Um, but, yeah, so she, she's comforting him on her lap, and she's telling him it's all right. Like, you know, that's all that matters. You're all right, and it's over, and we're together. So... We cut to the Oracle opening and Angel's back there. He brought them a a famille rose vase from the Qing dynasty circa 1811. And the Oracle Barb takes it and she's like, lovely. And I was like, I agree. I want one. And it looks really nice. Where did he get it? Did he like steal this? Did he just have it lying around? Well, he's been in cahoots with Joyce since he moved away, oh, right? right. I right? forgot. Yes. Like, I think you and I were curious as to where she went at Thanksgiving. And, you know, we, right. we thought the, Black Market. This, Buffy's not the, the first Summers woman to visit him this week. Okay. No, I, no, no, no. This makes so much sense. Thank you for connecting those dots for me. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, so Jeff, it's like, why are you here, lower being? <laughs> Jeff is such a bitch. <laughs> he's got like this real superiority complex he's got this real chip on his shoulder it's like jeff dude you're a gold-skinned you know greek wannabe you're a toga wearing wannabe here you know and all you are is a hyped up little like oracle like you're not a power you're just their conduit right you just send messages you don't have any real 
decision making here. You're a middle manager. Come on, Jeff. <laughs> it's also very clear that Barb has seniority over Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> She's been doing this gig a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, and he's bitter. Maybe about Jeff's it. like an intern or something. Yeah. Barb got Jeff the job because I think they're brother and sister, I think they said. So she got him in nepotism and he's over here running his mouth. <laughs> Lower being. <laughs> and then after Angel leaves, Barb's just like, don't screw this up, Jeff. Jeff, I worked really hard to get to where I am in this company. And I'm not going to have you tear down my good name, okay? Well, she's also getting a lot of bribes in her position, right? <laughs> This is a very corrupt racket, is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. We definitely need to spend more time with the oracles to really understand how the Oracle Inc. <laughs> works. <laughs> so um, Angel says that Mora said the end of days had begun, that others were coming, and sol soldiers of darkness. I need to know if he was telling the truth. And Jeff says, as far as such things can be told. <laughs> Asshole. And Angel asks, what happens to the Slayer when the soldiers come? Barb says... What happens to all mortal beings, albeit sooner in her case? And Angel says, she'll die. Then I'm here to beg for her life. And Jeff gets pissed. He's like, it's not our place to grant life or death. And they go to leave. But Angel says, then I ask you to take mine back. And that got their attention. <laughs> so Angel says, I can't protect her or anyone this way, not as a man. And Barb says, you're asking to be what you were, a demon with a soul because of the slayer and jeff is a hater and he's like this is this is a matter of love it does not concern us it's like jeff you are at the bottom of the corporate ladder okay the measly intern <laughs> <laughs> go get barb her coffee while we talk business over here so angel says yes it does the mora demon came to take a warrior from your cause it succeeded i'm not good to you that like this i know you have it in your power to make this right please so Jeff tells his sister, Jeff tells Barb that what has been done cannot be undone. And she says, what is not yet done can be avoided. And he says, temporal folds are not to indulge the whims of lower beings. Um, Anya would disagree. <laughs> right? Remember, she wanted a temporal fold last season. God, Jeff, you've been here for six months. Stop. You don't Jeff know anything. Jeff has a real stick up his butt. Right? He's really crabby. Uh... Barb says, you are wrong. Yeah, Barb. She says, this one is willing to sacrifice every drop of human happiness and love he's ever known for another. He is not a lower being. Mwah! Chef's kiss, Barb. You're my girl. You're my fucking bitch right here. So Jeff says there is one way, but it's not to be undertaken lightly. And uh, Barb says, we swallow this day as though it never happened. 24 hours from the moment the demon first attacked you, we take it back. And Angel says, so none of this happened, Buffy and I, but what'll stop us from doing the exact same thing? And she says, you, you alone will carry the memory of this day. Can you carry that burden? <sighs> so this is it, right? This For me... For me, this is the moment where Angel truly solidifies to me that he's a hero and that he's just as much of a protagonist as Buffy is and why he's worthy of his own series. This is like, I just, we know the choice he's going to make. And I've said it before, right? Like Angel was in Buffy for three seasons supporting her story as he should, right? He was there to empathize with her and to support her and empower her and create obstacles for her. Like that was his point as she matures into adulthood. But here he is, he's on his own path, 
and it's completely separate from Buffy, and he's making a choice again to protect mm. her. But it also is about him finding his purpose again, because his purpose mm-hmm. is not to be turned human after wh- half a year of fighting, uh, fighting <laughs> demons in L.A. and then live happily ever after. That's definitely not his purpose or why he was brought back from hell. And he knows that. So, God. Could you do it? Could I do it? Am I that selfless? Like, Angel's so selfless. Could I do it? Like, give up the one I love for what? Because I guess he might die. Like, if Seb was going to die, like, would I take back our happiest well, I day? Mean, like, would you, yeah, would you, like, erase this wonderful day where you turned human and become a vampire with a soul again? Yeah, I would, because I'm a hero. <laughs> would you? I, I don't know. Like, I know, this is right? tough. And I, I'm agreeing with your analysis here. Like, this is the definition of heroism, right? Is you are putting the needs of other people ahead of your own and... You know, there's not angel doesn't win here no. like he loses the progress that he's made with buffy this day you know because they're finally in a better place and that's going to get lost and she's going to be angry at him again mm-hmm. he loses obviously that humanity um and as much as we might even you know possibly say like oh he just wants to to be a warrior again i mean it's okay to want that but at the end of the day like he's taking on this huge responsibility um and where does it end right but i think in addition to him being a hero this is also the show reminding us of the incredible guilt that angel bears for what he did as a vampire right Mm -hmm. this is his whole arc is always about redemption it's always about i can never make up for what i did and i think there is something deep down in angel where in addition to his heroism he he also just worries that he's not good enough, that he doesn't deserve this, and that he should suffer as a vampire with a soul, cursed for all eternity, because he, he can't make up for what he did. So we see here a hero, but we also see somebody who is, even when he is rewarded with what he might desire secretly, it doesn't work for him, because just because you are rewarded with what you want that doesn't get rid of the demons that you carry. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And it comes back to when we did Angel on Trial and we said he's guilty of all these things, killing Jenny Calendar, hundreds of years of mayhem. We sentenced him to, to making amends and saving people that need his help and helping the helpless. Can't get out of it this easily, Angel. Right, and he knows that because he's a fucking hero. And like, oh, I'm blown away by this decision that he makes. It's so, so brave. And hey, Barb said it the best of on her own, right? Barb said he's going to sacrifice every drop of human happiness and love that he's ever known for Buffy, but also for the world. And I think that's fucking great. So that's why he has his own show, okay? <laughs> that's why... Angel, the series exists. Oh, God. And this episode is so good. This is why I love this episode, because we already talked earlier about how Buffy is experiencing this. She experienced earlier her first moment of true happiness at feeling like a normal girl. And that was such a big moment for her because Buffy's journey on Buffy the Vampire Slayer has been all about the struggle of growing up and feeling like a normal person when you're an extraordinary person, right? Whereas Mm -hmm. Angel his show and his series is about redemption. It's about being someone who's not normal and not good 
and grappling with what, the nature of being a hero and being a good person. And that's, ugh, ugh. So, oh my god. This show and this podcast is going to be the death of me because this scene, <laughs> this scene stabs me in my heart. So we cut to a clock in Angel's apartment and it says four minutes to 9 a.m. Buffy is in a really cute dress, a very sophisticated dress, and she's pacing. She's waiting for Angel to come home. And when he comes, he stops when he sees her and she says, I'm guessing that expression isn't because we were all at a fresh OJ at the deli. What happened? Where have you been? And Angel says, I went to see the oracles. I asked them to turn me back. And she's like, what? Why? And Angel says, because more than ever, I know how much I love you. And she says, no, you didn't. And she starts to walk away and he follows her and he says, if I stay mortal, one of us will wind up dead. Maybe both of us. You heard what Mora said. And Buffy turns around and says, Mora's dead. We killed him. And Angel says, others will come. And she's like, they always come and they always will. But that's my problem now, not yours, remember? And Angel says, no, I won't just stand by and watch you fight, maybe die alone. And Buffy says, then we fight together. And Angel says, you saw what happened last night. If anything, I'm a liability to you. You, you take chances to protect me. And that's not just bad for you. It's bad for the people we were meant to help. So <laughs> tears are starting to pour out of Buffy's eyes. And she says, so what? You just took a whole 24 hours to weigh the ups and downs of being a regular Joe and decided it was more fun being a superhero. And Angel says, you know, that's not it. How can we be together if the cost is your life or the lives of others? And that truth hits her and she looks devastated and she starts to cry and they start playing the Buffy and Angel theme song, but not like the happy, uplifting, big damn kiss version. It's the sad becoming part two version. Yeah, this is Buffy running Angel through with a sword. Oh, and now it's Angel running Buffy through with a sword. And I, yeah, I cry like I when I I'm going to cry. So God, like Sarah Michelle Gellar and David Boreanaz, they're so good in this scene. It's so good. So Angel sees that she's crying so he's like i know and he comes to her and she puts her head on his chest and he puts his hand on the back of her head and he whispers to her he's like i know i couldn't tell you i wasn't sure i could do it if i woke up with with uh, you one more morning and buffy says that she understands so my question here before we get into the rest is did angel make the right choice in going to the oracles and talking to them and making this decision without buffy yes Okay. He's not required to involve Buffy in a decision like this. Obviously, it does affect her. But at the end of the day, it is his life. He is allowed to do what he wants with it. And if he had gone to Buffy for her perspective um, before he did what he did, like I think that would have been fine too. I don't think there's anything wrong with talking it out. But at the end of the day, even if you have a partner, right, like... Although your decisions may affect your partner, ultimately they are your decisions. And, you know, you can have a discussion with your partner ahead of time if you think it's going to impact things like your finances or whatever. But like at the end of the day, like, firstly, they just got back together. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're, they're, they're living together at this point. And, and secondly, I, I don't think that him talking to Buffy would have changed the outcome in any way. And this is very similar to what he did in Pangs. He was trying to spare her um, the pain 
of understanding what he was doing until, you know, it's literally too late. It's going to happen in another minute or two, right? So he's just mm-hmm. like, deal's done. Deal with it and then forget about it. Yeah. It's just so heartbreaking. It really is because, like, he's taking her happiest moment, right? She said, like, this This is the first time I felt like this. He's taking that from her, and I think that's really heartbreaking, right? But, again, we understand. She says, I understand why you did this because Buffy's also a hero. And the two of them are just really mature. <laughs> and Buffy's like, yeah, I get why you did this. It still fucking hurts, though. Like, this sucks. And um, it also reminds me back, again, their last breakup in the prom Buffy tells Willow she gets why he did de- he did it, right? Like she like she understands it just hurts. It's just heartbreak. That's all it is. So she pulls back from him and she's full on crying now and she says, What happens now? And oh the vulnerability. And he's wiping away her tears and he says, The oracles are giving us back the day, turning back time so I can kill Mora before his blood makes me mortal. And Buffy asks, when? And Angel looks at the clock and it says one minute to nine. And he says another minute. And she says, minute? Like, no, no, it's not enough time. And she starts, oh my God, her delivery. And Angel says, we don't have a choice. It's done. And Buffy says, how am I supposed to go on with my life knowing what we had, what we could have had? And Angel says, you won't. No one will know but me. And a tear is streaming down Angel's face now too. Buffy says, Everything we did, he says it never happened. And she says, it did, it did. I know it did. And she puts her hand on his chest and she says, I felt your heartbeat. And Angel's like, Buffy. (laughs) And then she looks up at him and, oh, it's pure heartbreak. They start kissing passionately because how else are you going to, like, this is the last time in her, like, it really is the last time that she's going to kiss him like this, right? Because it's it's over. And she's going to forget this whole day. So the kiss is so passionate and so desperate. And then they stop and they look at each other really deeply. And then she whips around to look at the clock, see what time it is. And it's there's six seconds left. And I really adore that shot of them. I, like when she whips around, um, it's just really beautiful. The, the cuts are really well done, right? Because yeah. you get to see her face and his face. And yeah. the fact that, again, she's like, it's not enough time, right? And it's coming back to this idea. But, you know... This is like the essential truth of any relationship. There's never enough time. You know, Um, our relationships are always cut short. They're always interrupted. Whether we're talking about temporary inconveniences of, you know, somebody's busy with their job or their school and they don't have as much time for you or somebody's sick or they have to move away for, you know, temporarily or permanently, um, or, or larger issues, right? Like somebody moving away and you lose touch, or, you know, somebody dying. That's just, that's the, the constant in our lives, is that as we go through changes, and as we meet people and form relationships, no relationship is forever. No relationship, you know, e- even the people that you end up knowing for the rest of your life whatever that looks like like you know all these relationships change and i think one of the reasons why buffy and angel can't be happy when angel is a vampire it's not just because buffy will grow old and die but it's because angel as a vampire does not change as much as buffy does as a human and human relationships 
need that element of change. They need that element of timeliness to them because that is what makes these relationships worth it. If you knew that you were going to be with somebody literally forever, it would become boring and stale. You have to recognize that there is never enough time and cherish the time that you do have. So beautifully said. It's so true. And like, like that's why this scene really gets me because it, it, it is about you're out of time. What do you do with the time that you have left? And in this case, they have one minute left, right? So the kiss six means seconds. everything. Six. Well, at this point, six seconds. Like, but that kiss meant everything. And then when Buffy sees that there's only six seconds left, like, of course she panics because it's just it's not enough. And she says, like, like she's crying, and Angel's sh- like, you know, sh- like please, please. And he says please over and over again. And then they hug. And Buffy's whispering in his ear, I'll never forget, I'll never forget, I'll never forget. And then we get this like white flash and they're in Angel's office and Buffy is saying, so let's just stick to the plan, keep our distance until time has passed, given enough time, we should be able to. And Angel's a bit disoriented, but he says, forget, just like he did at the beginning of the episode. And Buffy's like, yeah, so I'm going to go start forgetting Mora jumps through the window. Angel breaks his jewel immediately, like immediately. It takes two seconds. And the clock with the clock on the desk he uses and he disappears. Buffy's like, that was unreal. How did you know how to kill it? And Angel says, it's a Mora demon. I've had a lot of time to catch up on my um, reading. How did how did he know about the glove of Minigan and all like Angel <laughs> just knows shit, Buffy? Like, why are you surprised by this at this point? Wouldn't that be such a funny answer to you if he was just like, How did I know about Legos, bitch? Like I just know. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Yeah, this guy's been stalking me all week. <laughs> This is our biggest fan right here. Um, <laughs> so um, so Buffy's just like, yeah, okay, so I guess we're, we've covered everything, right? And he says, yeah, I guess we did. Buffy says, well, that's really all there is to say. And she, he's looking at the broken clock on the ground. And he says, yeah. But when he looks up, Buffy's already out the door and gone. And he says, that's it. And we cut to black. <sighs> so I'm going to say first and foremost to that my hero <laughs> in our very first angel episode is angel because obviously look what he did <laughs> look what he did in this episode Kara. oh i'm so heartbroken what about you don't say doyle <laughs> um no i mean i agree it's got to be angel but i also just want to say like also barb because <laughs> she's the one who makes this happen right she overrules yeah. Jeff and she says no we're gonna turn turning back time like that's a pretty big deal and she makes it happen for our boy Angel and you know so good for you Barb because you know Angel had the will and you had the way yeah but like Angel this is why I love this episode again like like Angel blows me away his his heroism his selflessness hair his hair his body his (sighs) naked body (laughs) His ability to have sex for hours, like, oh, my God. So, but, like, my thing is, like, how can you not empathize with Angel after watching this episode? Because Buffy said to Angel in Amends, strong is fighting, it's hard, it's painful, it's every day. And he took those words to heart because Buffy is Angel's muse. And she, like, saved his life in that episode. And now here he is saving hers, and he's choosing. He chose to live in pain 
and suffer every day without Buffy for Buffy and for the world. And I know, like, we haven't watched those episodes, but I mentioned it when uh, Spike returns in The Initiative that Angel had the gem of Amara, so he also could have been a vampire that could walk around in the day, but he also chose to destroy that at the beginning of his season as well. So this is the second time that he's stared at the sun and walked away from it, the sun being Buffy, obviously. So... So I just find this an incredibly satisfying conclusion to the Buffy and Angel romance. I think that if if you have followed these characters over the past three years and that breakup was heartbreaking and I really liked the way Angel and her left it at, in Graduation Day Part 2, but this is a really nice coda to that. And it sh- demonstrates the sacrifices that Angel makes for her and how much he loves her. And I think that... You don't have to ship Buffy and Angel, right? Like, you can like her with other characters. Um, You don't have to like them together all the time. But I don't think that you can really deny that there is a connection and a purity in their love for each other. Because it's canon. (laughs) It's written in this episode. It's written throughout the show. But it's demonstrated in this episode. It's played out by these characters. Look at the way Mm -hmm. Buffy was completely vulnerable in that moment. Like we said, she was really closed off and guarded at the beginning of the episode. And then she let go. And then at the very end, like pure heartbreak. Like Sarah Michelle Gellar has not given us a performance like this yet. I think this is the most (laughs) vulnerable she's ever been, including Becoming Part 2. And I think it's just amazing. Like her her childlike defiance, right? When she's like, I'll never forget, I'll never forget. Like she's going to forget. Yeah, like... (laughs) At the beginning of the episode where she's like, I've been through a lot since you left. Part of me was like, bitch, what have you been through? Okay. Like, yeah, your roommate tried to steal your soul (laughs) and you had unsatisfying sex with a misogynist. But like, that's just normal stuff. That's just normal college life. Um, So (laughs) I thought she was kind of a little bit hyperbolic there. But now, I mean, I know she doesn't remember it, but Angel remembers that she has been through a lot, you know? Um, And that, to me, is the heartbreaking part of this, is that Buffy doesn't remember what they had, right? Angel has to carry that memory with him. And (sighs) as far as Buffy's concerned, none of that character growth happened. Buffy doesn't remember the first time in her life feeling like a normal girl. Like, how heartbreaking is that? And, like, now we're going to go, like, into the next episode of uh, Buffy and just know this? And we're carrying the burden? She's gone back to Sunnydale now thinking, oh, Angel... So God, annoying. Ooh. I'm glad I broke up with him. Yeah, right? Like, ooh, Gonna go he... find me a rebound guy, some big God. Con- country bulk. I wonder what Iowa's like at this time of year. Yeah, like she's having all these horrible thoughts. And, and Angel is like, we are like Angel, where we have to carry the burden of remembering this forever. Fuck you, Joss Whedon. <laughs> like, I just want them to be happy. God, this was such uh... a good, that, that was such a good scene. It was so powerful. It was honestly the most emotionally moving scene that we've seen yet. And it wasn't even on Buffy. I mean, Wild at Heart got me, but for completely different reasons. This moved me. This is really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sarah Michelle Gellar and David Boreanaz did such an amazing job. Oh, God, they're so relatable. Mm. <sighs> well, I think that we should consider covering Angel because I haven't had enough of my hero. <laughs> We will we will consider it, but until then, um, we are not covering Angel at the moment. 
But uh, there is another new Angel Recap podcast on the block, right, Steph? There is another. Uh, Our friends over at Becoming Buffy podcast are launching an Angel Rewatch podcast. Uh, Sarah from Becoming Buffy and uh, our friend Leia are launching Investigating Angel, which it will be a bi-weekly podcast where they'll go episode by episode and break down angel's hero journey and his (laughs) series so check them out i think their podcast drops end of june so find them on instagram find them on wherever you stream and enjoy i will be (laughs) all right let's get to our hot stakes we got two hot stakes this week first hot stake is from lauren who's commenting on oz in wild at heart lauren says i think oz's actions with veruca Um, probably a purposely terrible name. She's an unwelcome lump on Oz and Willow's relationship. (laughs) Were something Kara alluded to in that cheating often has extenuating circumstances. But I think the imagery of Oz being taken over by the wolf and losing control is symbolism for cheating while drunk or using drugs. It's often a defense used particularly by cis men who, when caught, blame alcohol or substances, allowing themselves not to take responsibility for their actions. I also think Veruca's heightened sexuality is a reflection of the blame put on women when the man cheats on their partner. It again allows the fella to distance himself from his actions. As we know, Joss Whedon can't help himself but to blame women. So thank you very much, Lauren. Uh, That brings up in my mind, there is, uh, I don't know if you saw this news, Steph, but the Supreme Court of Canada just ruled on a case that basically, and I, I didn't read the whole thing, so I'm not too sure on the details, but from what I gather, they said that in certain situations, you can use intoxication as a defense in a criminal trial. Yeah, I did read that. I was disgusted. <laughs> yeah. so Like we already aren't scared. <laughs> so so for anybody who, who wants to hold up Canada as being better than the US, you know, our Supreme Court is just as capable of, of making terrible rulings as your Supreme Court. Suck it, America. <laughs> yeah. I, I also really like Lauren's uh, parallel with substance abuse and Oz and like his werewolf parallel there, uh, because I honestly see that a lot in Angel's character as well, particularly when he starts off on his own series in L.A., uh, just the idea of like thinking of him as an alcoholic. Right. And a lot of the things that he's making up for are the amends that an alcoholic would. So interesting, interesting. Great hot steak, Lauren. Thank you. Our second hot steak is from Alice, who wants to talk about emo willow. So Alice says, I remember being emo willow at points in my life. I just know if Buffy took place in the late 2000s instead of the 90s, one of the gags in the episode would be Willow playing Evanescence on repeat, like how Kathy played Cher. (laughs) And the punchline is that Xander, Buffy, and Giles find out Willow has made a ton of AMVs of animated movies to Evanescence songs. Disney Evanescence AMVs were a lot of teens YouTube consumption during that time. Wake me up inside. (laughs) Save me. I really like that. I will forever associate that song with the 2000s Daredevil movie with Jennifer Garner. As you should. And I had the Evanescence CD when I was young. It's really good. My Immortal (laughs) actually made its way onto my Buffy Angel playlist if anyone wants to go find it. Do you remember big shiny tunes? Yeah, absolutely. Those were the shit. (laughs) 
Like I, now? Just, I, I understand that America had uh, MTV, but we had much music in Canada. Like we were privileged. We were very privileged. Uh, but yeah, so anyone who wants to talk about Evanescence with us, you are more than welcome to send in hot stakes about Evanescence because we are here to talk about it. This is now an Evanescence re-listened podcast. <laughs> it sure is. Every At the end of every episode, we're going to cover an Evanescence song. <laughs> uh, you could also hop into our Discord, you know, um, we appreciate everybody who supports the show in various ways, especially those of us who, the, especially those listeners who support us on Buy Me a Coffee, including our chosen ones Lizzie, Emma, Hannah, Molly, Teza, Alexandra, Kyle, Kayla, Destiny, Brady, Erica, and Justine. Thanks, everyone. We will see you back in Sunnydale next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. You can also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord. Praise Moloch! See you next week! <laughs>